The following episode of the Carnival of Randomness is sponsored by an important message to you, the people from Upsitnik and Associates. Every day there are forces that are taking from you, stealing from you. Your money, your time, your freedom. Immense faceless corporations, banks, credit card companies, insurance providers, government agencies, this list goes on and on. When you are under attack and facing crisis, turn to us, Upsitnik and Associates, attorneys for you, the people. When every day becomes a battle, we can advise and assist. We have been advocates for 40 years. Email us through UpsitniksLaw.com or call us at 1-866-391-3299 or reach out to us through Upsitnik and Associates on Facebook for a prompt, no-obligation communication and consultation. Don't be pushed around. Hi, hello everybody, ladies, gents, whomever, children, clowns, whomever's out there for another episode of Carnival of Randomness. There's Zach. Hello. And Zach, I was thinking, I was trying to drum up a good episode for this week. Oh. And I couldn't think of what to do. I thought drumstick, chicken drums. What the hell? Why don't we have some drummers on? Talk of drumming. Well, now that we have some drummers on, we could do the old uh, and rim shot. I don't understand. Rob's joke. not here. He was supposed to be here, but who knows what happens with Bauman and those guys. Yeah. But we do have Dave. That's me. <laughs> and we have Greg. Hi. Rumpa pum pum. If you want to talk about it, I'll talk, tell people about your yeah. drumming, I guess. Unless you want to talk about something else. But <laughs> well, well, I don't go, go ahead, Greg. Well, You're I'm, in line. You're in the line here. I, I, I seem to recall banging on the womb. No, I don't know. I, go ahead. <laughs> well,. I'm, I'm not sure what you're asking. You want? Well, just tell a little about yourself. That's all. Oh, okay. Well, I, I started playing drums as, as a child. You know, like like a lot of us who start playing instruments in a school band program, and you, you know, you learn your rudiments and all that stuff. You learn to read, maybe, and uh, you start playing in concert band, and it kind of went the, from there. The one thing for primetime funk, though, it is a bit of misnomer because don't you guys do gigs later at night or earlier in the evening too besides prime time oh we well uh, everybody in the band play, plays with a bunch of other bands oh, okay. there's, there's not enough rim shots available in the universe for this show yeah we've got to do plenty of rim shots <laughs> in this one and greg what have you been playing with lately and it sounded horrible the way i said oh, it. Uh, <laughs> well uh <laughs> damn i only had a little bit of time on probation left uh, <laughs> no um Oops. i uh, brian Lindsay band we just got done playing at Marge's and uh, got something coming up at Iron Smoke. And uh, Susie, Susie Willpower, Anonymous Willpower, playing with them uh, at, uh, let's see, we're going to be at the at the Three, Three Heads, Heads Brewery on the 30th of August. And then we got this thing earlier this month. We're going to be in Hannibal, New York, doing some kind of a Woodstock oh, there, I've Janice Joplin thing. Oh, yeah. playing out there. I've heard of that now, that there's a big thing out there. Yeah, so we're going to do like a Janice Joplin set mixed with some of the originals. So. Oh, that could be cool. One yeah. of the things, I've, one analogy I've done with this is I've heard like if you go into baseball, they tell you if you really want to make it to the majors, your best shot's to be a catcher. And I always look at drums. I hear people complain all the time, wow, oh, there's a thousand guitarists out there, any good drummers. Is that really a good way just to sort of get into bands and everything and playing? Because there's sort of a need for you guys. To play drums? You mean? Well, I'm, I I wouldn't say I I think if you really want to play music yeah. I, I, in, in terms of what's needed and what there seems to be shortages of, I, I would say bass players, in my opinion. Uh, that's true. Can you really think about it there? You know, what does the bass player do much these days? Back in the, the old days, but now it's like the old cartoon Metalocalypse is like, 
We need him. He's the bass player. Granted, we auto-tune it so you can't hear anything that he does, but <laughs> damn it, he's necessary. I get a lot of people ask me a lot for bass players they do. and keyboard players. Well, I know like a lot of, in terms of like the old funk things, like Cameo, Parliament, all those mm-hmm. had the real grungy bass. Like the, and a lot of actually metal bands even took from there because the bass was such a focus point. Right, but I think you know, you know, in general, it's it's probably not as glamorous as being a guitarist or a lead singer, right, or, or even a drummer. You know, you're sort of you know you're holding up the bottom end of the band, but, but they're very important. And if you're a bass player who can sing and if you can read, you'll never you'll always work. Right. Well, like the Tony Levin's been on what over 500 albums, I think. Yeah. Actually, speaking of the reading music thing. Um, Prepping for this show, I actually asked my dad, who was a musician back in the uh, the before time, I guess in the the seventies, and he was a bass player, uh-huh. ironically enough. He said, "How important? Because he actually could not read music. Mm-hmm. How important do you think it is to be able to read music as a drummer?" Well, I I think it's as important as as you want to make it. In other words, there, there's thousands, probably millions of musicians in general who are incredible who don't read a note. I'm always surprised to find out. You know, some of my Favorite musicians. Um, I found out a, a few years ago the great jazz pianist Monty Alexander does not read. Huh. Um, Buddy Rich didn't read, but I mean he was a freak of nature. He yeah, had sort right. of a, a photographic memory, but when it came to uh, but, auditory but stuff, so he of, could hear an arrangement it's once. It's kind of odd to hear able to play it, but if you can read. Can read I mean, I tell my students all the time, I mean, you should learn to read because it's just one other tool you're going to have over somebody else. If You don't have to learn to read, but if you're not going to learn to read, you really have to develop your ears, your ability to listen and retain material, which I think when I was younger was much easier to well, do guess, than yeah. it is now, <laughs> yeah. which is why I have so many charts. Incredible things where Mozart, I guess, could just hear it once in his head and just... Right. Well, you talk about the original musical freak of nature who was... It was Mozart. And I guess mm-hmm. you could, in the more modern times, you could throw Prince in there for that. Mm-hmm. I mean, it depends on what you're going to do. Like, like yeah. I know, like, Dave does a lot of commercial work, you know, jingly, jingles and stuff like that. I mean, you got to have, you got to read for that because somebody's writing these things mm-hmm. out and you got to bang them out. You right. Know, or, but, or session but even work on those kind like of sessions, that. though, it's not, you're not, you're not really reading drum music right. on those kind of sessions. It's not like somebody handing you a, a very explicit chart. With tons of notation on it. It's just like um, a roadmap. It, it, it's break it's really more of a lead sheet roadmap, exactly. Yeah. But just being able to, to deal with that, you know, is very important for all musicians, obviously, learning, you know, song form, um, you know, th- those right. kinds of things. Well, and, you know, if you have an ability to, to read, read, then you'll be able to write. Yeah. I mean, I just tell my, I ask my students a lot of times who don't, you know, so if I talk to them about reading and they want to read, I say, well, why do you want to be illiterate? Right. <laughs> you know? I mean, music is a language. Oh, and absolutely. If, and if you can't read and write it, then, you know, it doesn't mean you can't communicate. I mean, it just means you, you can't can, communicate as well. But, yeah. you, you know, it's just another tool you'll have that maybe will help you get a gig uh, over somebody else. Even the drum magazines now, they always have transcriptions. And start, and if you can read the stuff, then you're not going to sit, you don't have to listen to the record as much. Yeah. You know, you could just go back Wait and a look at these things. It's Uh-oh. Rob. Yay. Hey. Yay. Rob Mount, ladies and gentlemen. The story I heard is you were yeah, on sorry. your way, and we thought about talking about your band, your famous band, famous. and Jeff Bauman kidnapped you so you couldn't play. Oh, yeah. That's so right. we're not going to talk about the most famous band you're in, but why don't you tell, everybody knows Rob, but tell them about yourself a little. Wow. I got to do yeah, that right. Nice. Yeah, yeah, I just sits in and it's like it's the third degree. I haven't even opened my water well, yet. Well, Senator, I... Uh... <laughs> 
I did not. Um, well, wait. Yeah, I did not. <laughs> well, I don't know. What, what, you're drumming. You're, you know, you're well, career stuff. You're a little bit what you've done. Everything else. Well, the 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 thing that I did of any note would be playing with Lou Graham for the last yeah. three years. Yeah. Up until the end of last year, and uh, you know, I've just been playing since I was you know six seven years old. So how far. did you get into it? Like <laughs> you're talking about, they were sort of born with drums in their hands. Right? <laughs> yeah. Well, that's it, because nobody in my family ever really played music, you know, so... Oh, we're taking a picture. Oh. Hello. <laughs> Hello. Hi. <laughs> um, so my mom always used to play, like, Osmond records all the time. The Osmonds. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so, you know, like probably all you guys, you start just... You just start beating on stuff. You don't really realize what you're doing. Yeah, you we need, beat on stuff you know. in high school. It wasn't drums, though. Yeah. Well, those were four kids. I wonder if that was the wrecking crew on those albums. <laughs> <laughs> So that's like the short end of it. I know? mean, you've been playing though since I know, like from I remember high school and everything, and all the way on. You never yeah. stopped. No, I've been playing since I was like six or seven. You know, so I'm fifty-one. So do the math: forty-six. Yeah, years. I started late, comparatively eleven or so. Oh, okay. yeah, that's still young though. Yeah. That's, that's, How is I, it in terms of teaching? Is it better to learn younger? Can you pick it up when you're older? Well, I think the earlier the start, the the better off you're going to be. Although you know. There's something to be said for, you know, you have to be able to focus for, yeah. you know, a, 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 mm -hmm. at least a brief period of time, like a half an hour. So, you know, every, everybody's different. I mean, yeah. everybody learns differently. I mean, that's the thing yeah. you find out the more that you teach. Right. You know, some people are very, you know, just by listening. Some people, it's, it's visual. Mm -hmm. um, so you, it's just a matter of finding, you know, which way works best right. for that particular student. And, of course, uh, a lot of regular types of uh, education aren't set up that way yeah well and I, I would agree with that and also add that you know if there's talent there it doesn't matter what age you start at right i mean i mean it can help if you start out earlier but sure. somebody with natural talent can ramp up really quick mm -hmm. in a short period of time if it's there right and somebody could be playing for 50 years and never get anywhere right you know just because you've been playing a long time doesn't necessarily mean right. you're right. that good right but. I remember I had a kid. I taught one kid. He was a had autism a little bit, and he would he would do everything I would tell him. The next week he'd come back with exactly the thing I gave him to do, but he'd always go, "Oh, and I thought of this one thing," and then he'd play the one thing, and I'd be like, "Great, great, okay." I'm thinking, okay, he's creating, he's working off what I'm giving him, so his synapses are going, you know, and you know, he we we did the lessons for a while, and then it. After, I didn't see him after a while, after I, I didn't work at the store anymore and stuff. He called me one day out of the blue a couple years later. Not sure how he knew how to get a hold of me, but he goes, Oh, I'm in a band now. I got on plan and blah, blah, blah. And thanks a lot. And, you know, I was oh, like, Holy, oh, great. that was good. a really, you know, one of those teach yeah. moments, teaching yeah. moments. You know? It's actually a quote I like I'm going to read. You can just give me your thoughts on it. It's brief. But I just like this quote and being a non musician and it's. Feeling is a lot more important than technique. It's all very well playing a triple paradiddle, but who's going to know you're doing it? It's a quote by John Bonham. Well, it's, <laughs> There's the man right there. Yeah. And we're all looking at his stuff 50 years later and yeah. trying to figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> How do you do so that with know. one foot? Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. But do you ever see, speaking of that, have you ever like heard somebody perform some performer and just go, 
how the hell does he do that? Oh, all the time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all the time. Yeah. Anybody you know. in particular? I mean, like, sometimes it's, why did they do that? But, <laughs> but you know, generally, yeah. I mean, that happens all the time. But getting back to your original question, I mean, feel, I mean, to me, it wins out over everything. Oh, yeah. I mean, our job is, you know, is in, in my estimation, is to make people want to dance. Mm-hmm. Or at least make them want to move in their seat. I don't care what you're playing. Yeah. you got to be affecting something, you know, in them. And if you can't do that, all the technique in the world is not going to yeah. help you. I mean, there's tons of great musicians with incredible technique, guys that can play, you know, 11 notes over one beat or whatever, but they don't have any feel. Right? I look out all the time when I'm playing. If I just see anybody just bobbing yep. around, I'm happy. Then okay, you know you're okay. doing your job. The bass player and I, are we're making yeah, it as happen. Long as, you're, as long as he doesn't have to go to the bathroom, he's trying to hold the hand. <laughs> right, <you know>? right. <laughs> well, at our advanced <laughs> stage, that can be a problem. <laughs> it, it depends on the type shows. of music, too. Like, right. there is specific technical music out there that's meant oh. to be played that way. Right. And it's good for that. But, you know, taking my, I'll just use Lou Graham as an example, my job is to play for the song. Mm-hmm. And same thing when you guys do your, your gig. Anybody who does a gig with popular music, it's popular music, nobody wants to hear you show off and show every right. chop you've got. Your job right. is to play for the song. Mm-hmm. And that's and that's it, you know, and to do it well and have that groove like you said. Right. And, and and that's it because, you know, you'll lose a gig quicker than you can bat an eye if you're out there trying to right. show off in a gig that is inappropriate. I know a lot of guys that do that too. <laughs> they yeah. practice while they're playing and you uh, can't do that. No. You, know, you just can't. Well, Keith Moon said the benefit of being a drummer is when they start throwing crap at sta- on stage at you, you have stuff to deflect it. That's why he said drum. He said why he started throwing the drums at the audience. He said Dalty would spin the mic. I deflected a cabbage my way, and I got it with a cymbal. Did you ever hear that story? Ringo put his cymbals up because they thought they were, they were going to have problems <laughs> at this one place, so really? he put the symbols up. Yeah, it's in the, some of the stories oh, he tells. Uh, he put the cool. symbols up because he thought they were going to have so cool. throw crap on the stage. <laughs> well, we're at a disadvantage. We were sitting in one spot. We can't walk right, right out of the way. Right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah we're, we're a stationary were you ever? Have you ever had anything silly like that happen to you at gigs? Like anything that's really gone wrong or weird or well, odd? One time like playing an outdoor gig in Buffalo where... Uh, Somebody, some it was like on a on like a beach type uh, front, and somebody took like one of those plastic um, ketchup bottles, yeah, filled with ketchup, but the lid was like barely on. <laughs> threw it at, at the stage. Oh no! I think it, it hit my floor, Tom, and it was like ketchup. <laughs> That's the only time that I can. Did you like fries with that? <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. yeah, at least give me some food. Yeah. Yeah. That's how you yell out. Throw a hot dog next. Yeah, really. <laughs> <laughs> now that happened. Remember, I told that story the last thing I was when I was talking to you guys about the fish hook. Mm-hmm. I was playing at the what was it out in down in Soda's Point there, Papa Joe's. I was on the flatbed. Next to it is that bait shop. There's an alleyway. <laughs> Guy came through with his stuff with his family and stuff. His fish hook hooked on the back of my shirt. Oh, no. <laughs> and as I was playing, and I'm getting jerked back, and you know, and I'm like, what the, oh, I like, you know, God. poltergeist thing or something, you know, what the hell is happening? <laughs> oh, my and, and yeah, then the guy said, hey, hey, you know, and then the guy was, you know, he, oh, that's he bought me a shirt after. Like, oh. <laughs> that's you probably always have the one person in the audience It is a funny like, story. Free bird. <laughs> well, to be fair, at least it got your shirt and not your, not your ears. That's yeah. right. Yeah, I'm glad it wasn't like, yeah. Yeah. My, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Nose or something. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's crazy. There goes my ear. That's why this earlobe is so long. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Rob, what about you? What oh. did you have? 
I I don't have anything like that with people throwing shit. At me. <laughs> I could tell you. I could talk to you. Hours about better gigs than That's us. That's right. Apparently. I got stories about stuff going wrong until the cows oh, come yeah. home. Oh, let's go. Let's go. What's going wrong? What's something big that's gone wrong? Unfortunately, those spinal tap moments. That happens all the time. I'll tell you. Since I didn't have a story for that, I'll just give you an example that's happened twice with me playing with Lou. So. We all use in-ear monitors playing with Luke because I play to a click track all the time. So, you know, your in-ears are your life when right. you're a drummer in that, that instance. So a couple of times that I'm playing along and somehow I managed to unplug myself oh. from oh. my wireless pack. You're in the ozone. So <laughs> I don't hear, I can't hear a thing because first of all, these become earplugs at right. that point. Right. Instead of being speakers, they're earplugs. Mm. And the, the stage volume is so low with us in that band. And, you know, and so try to play to a click track without the click track, it became. <laughs> wow. And so I'm sitting there playing along. All of a sudden, it disappears. The first time it happened, I had no idea. I just thought everything went down. But I don't see anybody else reacting. So I'm uh-huh. like, must be me. So I'm trying to get somebody's attention. Stage guy, get over, get over. I'm like, I'm, then I realize I'm holding up the cord like this while I'm playing. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm unplugged. And, uh, yeah, that, that happened to me twice. It wasn't fun, but... in a little shameless promotion both times it happened I when they plugged me back in I was still, still <laughs> right on it oh good that's a, but, uh, then that, you're doing your job that's a disaster it wasn't fun <laughs> I always try to play a little game with myself too like if I'm listening to the radio I'll sing along with the tune I'll walk away and keep singing yeah and then I'll come back and see if I'm in the same spot yeah and usually I am so yeah that's awesome but Ringo had another story too when they couldn't hear he used to watch the other guys like butts moved or whatever because <laughs> yeah. like to see what groove or where the time was because yeah, he couldn't hear, couldn't hear thoughts on Ringo because every, he, everybody picks on poor Ringo yeah. underrated overrated good bad creative <laughs> I like him myself he's good, unique good yeah. is such a widely used word because there's technically yeah. good there's creatively good there's style you create your own style so you're good right you know a lot of people associate good with being able to run rings around somebody else and do mental uh, physical gymnastics and that's one part of being good but and that's not Ringo at all yeah. that's he's not that but he was so creative and yeah. he thought outside yeah. the box and nobody played like him no. so because he had his own thing that nobody can recreate he's great in that aspect yeah, right absolutely. i mean i feel fine he's got playing like a mambo groove or yeah, something you know the bell and the you know it's like nobody played that in pop music but they had so many influences mm-hmm. just everybody picks up but that's Ringo. that's okay. another thing too though i think when drummers if you listen to a lot of music you, you learn a lot of different percussion styles and then mm-hmm. you incorporate those and then every now and then you know you find some place to fit a really cool thing doesn't have to be hard. It's just no. it's just your thinking process. Exactly. Like they always say, math and music go together. And I was never the greatest math person, so <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but well, it's it's just you know you're some of your influences, you know. And and what I always try to tell people is, it's great to listen to Bonham. It's great to listen to Ringo. It's great to listen to all these guys. It's great to copy some of their stuff. So you learn the vocabulary, right. but then right. you have to take that and turn it into your own thing. Exactly. Because if you just end up being a clone of whoever, you're never going to top the original guy yeah, anyways. Right. I'm never going to be a better Steve Gadd than he yeah. already is. So I can learn some stuff from him and all the other guys and create my own soup. Right. But so many people are so bent on being clones and trying to learn this guy note for note and that guy note for note, which is good to a certain extent. But then you got to be yourself. Yeah. 
maybe but it's it, like it's like Ray Bradbury said about writing. Well, you, if you take my style, take a style of an author you like, but then get to your own. Right. You know, from mm-hmm. there. Right. Well, yeah, one size doesn't fit all. You know, you're you're not going to be able to play a country gig knowing you know a lot of bottom legs, you know, <laughs> or, or something like that. You know, it, it's got to fit. Oh. You have to understand song form, like you right. were saying, and, and, and you also have, and what to, you have to listen to to each genre. You know, yeah. I mean, I often tell my students that you know a lot of times we have to be like chameleons. Yep. You know, depending on who you're playing with, you're right. or like a character actor. Yeah. You know, they work all the time. Mm-hmm. You know, they don't get the big money like, right. like like the big you know headline stars, but they're they can't make movies without that those yeah. people. So the more versatile you can be, but you can't be versatile unless you listen to those styles exactly. and and, and yeah. not just listening to the drums, but of course listening to how the drums interact with the other instruments because it's different. You know, in, in sometimes in different yeah. styles, tuning styles. That brings up a question too in terms of styles. Have you ever been called on and like somebody's called, hey, can you play with us for some gig that's really not your style and you had to really adapt to it? Ooh, good question. <sighs> I don't remember that myself, but I, but, but <laughs> well, you're good in every style. No, no I'm no. I'm not that great in every style. But I'll tell you, man, you you'd be surprised at some people that are name guys that turn down gigs or recommend other people because it ain't their bag. I mean, Jeff right. Procaro's turned down gigs. I remember reading him turning down a gig. He said, "Dude, it's just not me." Yeah. You know, I mean, Jeff Procaro turning down a gig. Right. Well, say somebody said to you, "Hey, I got a ska band. We need a drummer. Would you want to play ska or something like that?" I'll give it a go if they're yeah. up for experimentation. Yeah. Right. <laughs> That's a good question, though. I mean, like, I, I could never play, like, really hardcore, you know, King Crimson or something like that. I mean, or or really super, I mean, I can play cocktail jazz, but I can't play, like, really crazy jazz, you know, so. I mean, for me, it's a, a, a whatever you're called upon to do. I mean, I, I hope I have enough prep time to actually <laughs> well, sit down yeah. with it and be able to do it on a You know what it's way. like? Most you of know? the time it's like, hey, Five minutes from now, we got a gig or a drummer oh, threw yeah. up. You just come well, up. The guy did that with the Who one time. I know that. Oh, yeah. I love that. That's the scene. Anybody oh, yeah. doesn't know there was a, they were playing, it was late 70s. Keith, Keith Moon was wasted as usual. No. They noticed <laughs> when they're playing, the drum beat slow. He slows. passed out. He passed oh. out. It's online. And Pete Townsend comes out and goes, Can anybody play the drums? And they brought people up. Yes, and I, <laughs> wow. Knew the tunes and yeah. played the rest of the show, I guess. It never happens to me. <laughs> what, well, passing out or getting... No, getting asked to do something like that. <laughs> the first gig I did with Lou was a sub gig for his brother in 2009, and it was on three days' notice. Mm-hmm. And the good thing was, I had been in a foreigner tribute band with Lou's nephew uh, years go. before, and I knew <laughs> so almost knew every song. Yeah. So it's just like, okay, I yeah. can do it because nice. I know it. Well, that's yeah. good. But it just it worked out that way. Right. But then, you know, what's interesting is Kenny Aronoff, I got to meet him once when uh, we were out in Los Angeles, and I was talking to him, and he does, he's so busy, and he does so much work, but he, but he, the reason he can do it is because, A, he's a great drummer, and he's very versatile, but, B, he charts everything. Right, right. I was just and he goes, say. there's no way I could remember all yeah, this stuff. Exactly. I can't. And so if I could chart it out, I could do anything, which... Is, is genius. That's how he stays busy. Yeah. You know? Well, that's the thing. Yeah, you're going back to the reading music. I mean, even if you don't, even if you understand the notation and you can make your own notes, like I've had to do that a few times. Like I've had to make my own notes for grooves and mm-hmm. put my own little, you know, put where the breaks are and right. this and that. I mean, it, it's you don't need to read per se like 
a huge chart, but right. if you can make your own charts right, and learn, right. you know, write your bass drum hits and your snare hits and put them in the right place on the staff or whatever. Well, so, as long as you can you know, figure it out. Yeah, right. yeah. but it's it, good it, to it, know the language. Yeah. Right, and a lot you know. of it, like, it's, it's about form. It's about knowing what the groove is, where the where the breaks are. Um, it's not like re trying to read a transcription of right. something. Right. You know, but having that ability, like you said, if you got a, a gig you got to prepare for and you have a very short period of time, I couldn't, I don't think I could do it without, you know, making some charts, yeah. you know. You kind of have to, depending on the situation, how much time you have, right. like you said. I, my, my only beef with any of this reading stuff and charts is I've seen guys that will go up with a chart in order to play a Led Zeppelin song, and then... Then I got a problem. It's like, dude, you, you need a chart to go play Zeppelin? I mean, yeah. you should know this stuff. You know what I mean? There's, there's guys that use it as crutches, and then there's guys that really need to have it. Right. You know what I mean? I mean if you're using it as a crutch, bad. If you're using because you have to, a lot of this good. stuff's osmosis. You've been hearing it forever. Right. <laughs> you know? Well, that's a good question. It's in your head. Because I've heard a lot, and we've had some news, like, in the local papers recently about a lot more tribute shows here. I know a lot of my friends, like Alan Murphy, has had a residence. They've done Doors. Right. My friend Carl, they've done Ween shows every mm -hmm. year. We have more of these. You've played, in, obviously, in bands. Activities. When you're playing, and you think, like, okay, this drummer, how am I going to do this justice? Do you take it? Do you try to, try to get no for no? Do you try to bring a little of your own in, or...? I've never done one of those, so I, I'm not I haven't the guy either. to ask. Rob is. <laughs> I am. Well, in that yeah. case, speak to the choir, Rob. Speak to the choir. <laughs> well, um, it kind of it kind of goes back to what I said about playing for the song. You know, your job, your job in that instance is to sort of recreate as close as possible the listening experience that people expect. Right. They want to hear what's familiar. They don't care how good of a drummer, how good a technical, any instrument, guitar, bass, doesn't matter. Now, that being said, you still need a little bit of leeway, depending on what music it is, to be yourself somewhat. Because you have to, if, if a certain spot or a certain song allows it, then it's okay to do it. You know what I mean? But for the most part, you gotta, if you're doing a tribute act, especially if you're a tribute act, you got to sound like the guy you're playing. Like, what about intros and, in like, if there's a specific drum intro and a specific drum break, do you cop it? Absolutely. Oh, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. I mean, nothing drove me crazier than hearing, like, I mean, I'm talking about name bands. I mean, yeah. I'm not going to name the band. And they're a great band, don't get me wrong, but they were doing a cover of rock and roll. And the drummer did not play the bottom intro. He right. played <laughs> something that he thought resembled it, yeah, but yeah. it wasn't it. Yeah. And I'm sorry. Yeah. You know, you, you can't do that. It's like... You can't right. redo 50 yeah. Ways to Leave Your Lover. you got to play that. Right, that's a good example. You know, I yeah. mean, there's certain things that are so iconic, yeah. you know, that you, you just can't mess with them. Yeah. That, that Bonham know? intro, I heard somebody told me or I read somewhere where that's actually the Johnny B. Yeah, Good guitar. Yeah, it's the intro to thing. Johnny B. Yeah. Good. Oh, and, it is? Oh, and yeah. so many people think that, that the whole thing starts on one. one. It actually starts yeah. on the end of three. It's on the end of three. Right. And, and once you listen to, see, that's the thing. When you listen to somebody's influences, you take if you love John Bonham, you need to go back and listen to who he listened to to get John Bonham. Right. And that's a perfect example. Mm -hmm. A perfect example of saying, oh, this is where he got it from. There's a guy named Daniel Glass who does yeah. a, a podcast on work. Uh, I forget the drummer thing. He did, it's on his website, um, a clip from where Bonham got it from and then Bonham's intro. Mm -hmm. He takes them both back to back and says, here's where mm -hmm. he got it from. And then he counts it one, two, three, and then yeah. then he puts Bonham's yeah, intro the, in yeah, the spot. In this right spot. And it's genius. I mean, I saw, yeah. I, I speaking of writing, I mean, I saw one time, and I, can't, I think it was in a drum magazine somewhere, Some somebody had written the intro out yeah. with starting on the first beat. <sighs> 
with the bar of 3.8 at the yeah. end. Yeah. Like, really? <laughs> well, supposedly yeah. two on Led Zeppelin three, four. Yeah. Those symbols on Led Zeppelin four. Rumor has it bottom symbols the symbol for Valentine beer, his favorite beer. Uh, that could be. And I always heard that there was uh, there was like a little yeah. Richard song rock and roll was sort of based on. Probably wrong, but I know Page. I guess took the opening uh, on Rain song, the first two chords or something, because I guess George Harrison said, "Why don't you do a ballad?" I think. Oh, wow. Well, Led Zeppelin borrowed heavily from oh, a the lot blues. of yeah. the blues. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Borrowed. Especially in the beginning. Yeah. So, yeah, what, was the, what was the, the band <laughs> that they were on tour with before they did Stairway to Heaven? That I forget what band it was. I know. They were sued for right, it. Right. They were sued over, over yeah. the intro to Stairway yep. to Heaven Spirit. because it was almost directly cop from. Uh, I'm trying to think of the band. Spirit. I, Spirit. That's yeah. right. Spirit. Yeah. Yeah, they, they, were, they borrowed heavily. There was a YouTube clip of Plant. Directly stealing lines and melodies from some somebody I can't remember on Led Zeppelin too. They played the original mm -hmm. and this, and it was note for note oh. plagiarism. Well, one of my things with Zeppelin <laughs> went down a little bit when I first because I got into the blues and go, dude, he's trying to do Howlin' Wolf. Yeah, but that's and what those guys listen. Yeah, yeah, oh yeah. yeah. You shook me and all those things. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, they were all listening to the Killing same Floor with all the big blues bands. Same thing with the Stones. You know, huge blues fans. That's what they they wanted to be a blues band. <laughs> Just, it, yeah, they eventually turned it into their own thing. I mean, they, <laughs> yeah. after the first couple of Zeppelin albums of borrowing things from others, when you get to Zeppelin three, they started on their more their own path. Of, right. You know what I mean? So, I guess everybody starts somewhere. Yeah. You know, but uh, yeah, and things weren't quite so litigious. Is that the word? <laughs> yeah. back, back in the sixties. <laughs> Well, yeah, they, but they finally had to. Didn't they have to change all the uh, credits, credits yeah. and copyright stuff? Yeah. And, you know, give credit. You know, well, it's only fair. Yeah, absolutely. If you're stealing from somebody or heavily borrowing, you, you at least gotta give credit where credits due. Well, that's why, uh, you know, great man once said, if you borrow from one person, it's plagiarism. But if you borrow from many people, it's research. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Yeah, but that. Actually, but on that, you know, you, you guys have said that everybody has their own specific style that you kind of more gravitate toward. Who, a, a, what drummer outside of your style or a style you don't feel as comfortable playing are you, like, absolutely like we would amazed be surprised by? you might be really, it's like, oh, wow, this guy's so infinitely cool. <laughs> yeah, it's like, I, I don't know if I could play that style, but good God, this guy can rock, you know? So, like, if you're, like... For maybe to kind of clarify it a little, if you guys are, um, you know, big blues fans, like what are the, some of the blues drummers that, if well, you don't I, play it? I'll give you an example. I was downtown yesterday at, at the Rock the Fest thing, whatever they got going down by East Ave, and they had a police tribute band there. And I've been a huge police fan. Yeah. Huge police fan ever since they came out, before MTV, when uh, USA Night Flight used to play. Oh, yeah. Remember them when they used to dress like them? They yeah. used to have the police outfit But then? Stuart Copeland, to this day, is one of my favorite drummers. And you would, you would never hear a note of his playing in my playing at all. You wouldn't have a clue. But he's one of my favorite drummers mm -hmm. and has been for 40 years. I love the guy. I, can, I cannot play that way to save my life. <laughs> cannot. That guy I was playing yesterday, Mark Anel, he's he's a really good drummer. He's in like three tribute bands. Really? Oh, really? Yeah, he plays in a, a tall band, a yes band, and I guess apparently this band. Huh. Yeah, and he's, I, he, I talk to him every now and then. Well, he, he started playing with Jerry Falzone, and mm. I, I played on Jerry's previous CD. But, yeah, he's a great player. But he's 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 one of those guys. I just saw him a couple weeks ago, and I said, dude, you, like, amaze me. You have all these, like, electronic 
you know, he's got the pad with all the different, he's got reference uh, tempo markings mm -hmm. and this and that and, and, you know, charts and different things on a pad. He goes, well, I have to do it because I'm in all these different things. I can't, you know, <laughs> gotta keep track especially if you're playing yes and stuff like yeah. that. I mean, you know, you got to have, <laughs> but yeah, he's very good. But yeah, I couldn't, what's his name there? Uh, Copeland. Yeah, he's. He, he introduced so much stuff to the, to the repertoire, you know. Yeah. And me, I've always been an Ian Pace fan. And Deep Purple. When he yeah. plays, his, the way he plays rudimentally, yeah. is like his strokes, his single and double stroke. I mean, he's crazy. He's like so fast. I always thought Bonham overshadowed him in the day. Everybody was so Bonham. And I always thought Pace was just a little bit left in the dust, just a little bit. Because you know what I mean? Everybody thinks Bonham. Right. But well, Pace... Yeah. I think in certain aspects was a better drummer in some aspects. Well, technically, yeah. I technically, mean, yeah. If you listen to a lot of his stuff, when he like even like if you go back and listen to Hush, mm -hmm. the original mm -hmm. Hush, yeah. during the during the keyboard solo, I think it is one of the solos. Listen to what he's actually doing because mm -hmm. he's displacing the beat. You know, he's like ba 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 He's like swinging the crap out of it. He really swings, man. And you know. He's not just playing a two and four boom whack right, thing. Right. He's playing this really cool thing. Well, a lot of those guys grew up listening to jazz drummers because there wasn't any rock and roll when they right. were growing up. Right. So same it, thing with Ginger Baker. Yeah. Same thing. All those. All those guys. John man. Densmore. All those yep. guys. I mean, I know Ginger's done jazz albums because I hear yeah. a couple. Yeah. I got one. That I think he did. I was back actually in one the of the ones I listened to still is the Book of Talas in the Purple oh, yeah. album, and I always listen to their version of We Can Work It Out. Yeah, it's very interesting. But I think Deep Purple comes from uh, the song was the Blackmore's grandmother's song. She liked really. It was a jazz song, I think. Huh. Sorry, I think it comes. But you know the story about the about the police. I guess Keith Richards was saying one time. He said they're at a show early '80s, and somebody, some one of his guys comes. He goes, "Dude, the police are coming." So he said, oh, "I gotta flush this." Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so he goes, and then he comes out. He goes, he opens the door. It's Sting and Stuart Copeland. Uh, <laughs> Dave, what about you? You're uh, who you who you like, but you you. Uh, yeah. Oh gosh. Well, there's so many things I can't do. So there's so many people that I like. I like everybody. I mean, I mean, there's a lot of like um, heavier music that you know, with, with all these incredible drummers. I mean, stuff. I could never yeah. do any of that yeah. stuff. Yeah. You know, um, I mean, I get called on to do a lot of different kinds of things because, like, even every year when we uh, primetime funk being the house band for the Rochester Music Hall of Fame, we have to back all these different artists. That's so you got to play thing. in like all these different styles. Yeah. You know. <laughs> But uh, some of that stuff, I, I know I couldn't. Well, that was how did you think of? Because didn't you do? I know Rob, you're a big fan. Tommy Aldridge, didn't you do Crazy Train? Did you play Crazy Train? Uh, I I I did the uh, obligatory vibra slap solo on Crazy Train. <laughs> I, checked, I asked Carmine. Carmine uh, played it. Didn't well, he? well, Carmine played the tune. He played the hell out of it. Yeah. It sounded great. But I asked them, you know, do you guys have the vibra slap? He said, No, no. I said, Well, I got two of them. All right. Well, you play. So I just sat down behind it, the drums and, and kind of played the vibes. But you got to have that. But I always wonder. I, I thought it would be a great, you know, Saturday Night Live skit. Yeah. If, if they're auditioning all of the other instruments and players that before. They got to the vibra slap. Did you do a triangle guy? <laughs> whatever, you know, and, and just little clips of that'd their audition. Oh, you know, that's not it. You know, and they finally came up with that. Because that song, you have to have yeah. that. Your tone is perfect. Yeah, right. <laughs> they should get the cast that did the cowbell skit and right. bring them yeah. back. Right. Right. Yeah. That'd be great. Yeah. Have you heard that so many times now? More cowbell! Yeah, yeah. oh, too much. So, yeah, too much. Well, actually, on that, you know, being drummers, what other. 
if any, percussion instruments do you guys play and are versed in, you know? Plenty other I think you played guitar. I know that. Yeah. If you still mm-hmm. knew you did in the day, you were really good. Well, I played guitar. Um, I went to college for music education, although I never finished it off because yeah. I Where'd you go, Rob? Nazareth. Okay. Wow, yeah. I did too. Did you? Yeah, back, well, 77 or so I graduated. Okay. And I, I did go to the Eastman throughout high school. Um, I took from Ruth Khan and stuff. So mm-hmm. I did learn some percussion, like your, your marimbas and mm-hmm. your timpanis. Right. And when I got to college, I had to learn how to play piano oh. and trumpet. Yeah. But it's been so many years, I couldn't tell you. I, I can't believe that. We're stuff. in the same boat because I used to have a marimba. Yeah. I had a concert grand, and I was I practiced on it a lot. But then I just never. When am I going to use this thing? You know. Well, that's well. it. You know, I, I that's why I kind of got out of music education because I'm like, you know what? I just want to rock. I don't want to <laughs> yeah. be a music teacher. But it all helps. It all helps, though. You 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 know, your pitch is probably really good because I know I took voice lessons and mm-hmm. stuff, and so you I can sing, and yep. you know that adds to your value yep. and all that. Yeah, so. Absolutely. Everything you pick up along the way, but I tell you what, doesn't hurt. Don't you get a look from somebody who you're playing with? Like I'll sit there and tell a guitar player he's out of tune, or right? He's not right. Playing something right, and then they look at you like, "Shut up, you're the yeah. dumb drummer." I know, I know. <laughs> we were talking about dumb drummer jokes earlier. Yeah, that's so. the thing is, where does that come from? A lot because none of you guys have like choked on your own vomit while we're doing this. Your <laughs> drummer's exploding, yeah, spontaneously like, combusting. What, what do you name a? What's the drummer? It's the guy who hangs out with the band. Nah, where does it come from? I'm because not I really sure. Think it's like literally, it's really such an important thing for a band to have that good system. Well, it probably you know? started because they probably figured, oh, you're like cavemen, you just bang on shit, and you don't right. have to learn nothing, yeah. and, yeah. you know, it's like, okay, uh, that's your view, but you don't realize what we're doing. And, and, you know, and I think for years, people did not consider what a drummer does to be music. Yeah. You know, it's you make a noise. You know, yeah. keep it down. You're just banging you're on, banging stuff. on. Because yeah. you have the same thing. Like if you watch Spinal Tap, we had the one drummer, and he he choked on vomit. Somebody's vomit. Yeah. And our other drummer, <laughs> he just, had dust for vomit. Dust. Yeah, yeah, right. And we had another drummer. He just exploded. Yeah. But I think and, there's you know there's been a series of of similar types of jokes about guitar players sure. or trombone players yeah. or you know you name the instrument. You know, how many I'm guitar sure players does it take to screw in a light bulb? One to do it, and fifty to say they could do it better. Right. Right. You know, how do you get Get a guitar player to turn down. Yeah. Put sheet music in front of them. <laughs> I'll tell you. I'll tell you a story I had from the Nazareth years. Oh my God, this was so embarrassing. So I had. I had. I had uh, well, at the time, I had Ruth Khan for like a year or so. She wasn't going to take me at first because I had no nothing. Mm-hmm. I only had snare drum basically and and some drum set. So, but she took me in because at the time I guess they wanted more people, to, guys, to go there or whatever. So. At then, when she left, we got this guy, um, oh, and I can't blank on his name now, the, the really famous marimbist, the, the Bach Corrales. I'm sure I'll think of his name later. Yeah, I can't, I can't, think, of his, I can't think of his name now, and I'm really sorry. But the guy, the guy is astounding, okay? So, one time I was playing downtown with Vic Platty. I don't know. You remember Vic Platty? Oh, of course. Okay. So, I'm in his band. We're playing these hokey tunes at the, at the <laughs> Holiday Inn downtown. And there's this percussion convention, and there's Beck, John Beck, uh-huh. and there's, uh, you know, a couple other guys, and this teacher of mine, and I'm just sitting there going, oh my God, these guys are all going to think I suck. <laughs> 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 and, and, you know, it was just that whole thing. It was, like, really weird. Luke, Ray, uh, Lee Howard Stevens. There you oh, go. Yeah, okay. I have to bring it up, he because, like, teacher. if I was a kid yeah. and I was going to take music, 
and I saw a certain movie I would never take it. So anybody who's seen it, your views on Whiplash and that guy. Oh, that was crazy. Yeah, I didn't see it. I mean, Kyle well, Bach, my good friend, he's taught, he teaches at Nashville, and he said, you know, you never get a guy like that. But you imagine these days how fast the guy would get recorded. Oh, oh it right. never happened. Yeah. Never happened. Yeah, that, that, uh, I mean, it was a great performance by J.K. Simmons, oh, but, yeah. Yeah. and he d- definitely deserved the Oscar, but in terms of a movie that represents what it's like to be at a music conservatory. Yeah. It was it's pretty extreme. Total, well, it was funny because shortly after the movie came out, I, I sort of avoided seeing it for, for quite some time, <laughs> but I, I got a call from a buddy of mine in California. We went, we were, he's a drummer, we went to uh, the University of North Texas together to study with Ed Sof, and he said, oh man, didn't that remind you of our first day with Sof? <laughs> I said, Man, I don't, I don't remember Ed throwing a chair at me. Did he throw a chair at you? You were a lot better drummer than I was. Now, so, are you playing faster or slower? Yeah, right, right. And, and the other thing was I was saying earlier before we started recording this, I said I've never seen a, a band director count a, ba- a band in giving them two beats. Yeah. Right. You know, usually give them two bars, yeah. two hey, beats. I mean, you can't determine tempo, really, no. from just two beats. Like yeah. before, I know, know Kyle told me, <laughs> Kyle Bach told me the story about in terms of what he does to the kid, in terms of how he screws them up on there. They said, okay, you get some people, we piss them off. They get pissed at us, we might, but nobody would ever do that. No. Where he comes them on and they play something completely different. Well... And, I can tell you one experience I had with Lee Howard Stevens. <laughs> well, go on. Lee Howard Stevens taught me a lot. I was, I basically didn't have much, I didn't practice enough for this particular lesson. And I was trying to basically bluff my way through the, the marimba thing. And he, honest to God, he looks at me, he goes, I'm not going to listen to this shit, turns around and walks out. <laughs> and so guess who started practicing a hell of a lot more? Yeah. yeah. One thing is, didn't you play the bongos? What? Oh, yeah. Bongos and congas and stuff like that. Because I always have the famous story, I think you've heard it, where, you know, talking about Deep Purple, Ian Gillen, that's his Mm -hmm. sort of. It's this little security blanket. Right? Right. So when he's playing with Black Sabbath, I think if you read Tony Elmy's book, what they would yeah. do, they didn't do it here, but yeah. I guess what they would do, they would hook fishing wire up to his bongos, and he'd go to play them, and they'd yank him off stage. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. That's great. I remember that concert. I can never understand where bongos fit into Black Sabbath. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I remember, I they did smoke on the water is an encore, too. Yeah. I owe me there. Yeah. Quiet Riot, because the big thing for me was Quiet Riot was opening for him. Yeah, I remember that show. Yeah, I well, that's that's another that's probably like an interesting like you were asking us about different influences. I mean, imagine being already have made a name for yourself and you get thrust into something that's not quite in your wheelhouse. Yeah. And, you know, you've got your own little ego and your own set of rules and, and your own and those guys are expecting something of you. And, you know, it's all, the whole thing is a very trying experience for everybody, probably. Depends on, yeah, it, it is. It really depends on the person, too, because, like, I sit back and I think, like you mentioned, take, there's, there's guys that, that stick with what they know and they do one thing and they've always done it. Like, you mentioned Tommy Aldridge. I love Tommy's playing. He's one of the best at what he does. Right, But he's not, a, he's not a Steve Smith. He's not yeah. a versatile drummer. Nobody can top him for what he does. You know what I mean? But then you take a guy like Steve Smith. You listen to Steve Smith in 1977. Yeah. Like, yeah. I, I saw him in Journey in the Day, and I saw him in Journey a couple of years ago. I'm like, am I watching the same guy? He pro- he progressed so 
far. Yeah, he never stops learning and yeah. trying to improve, and you know, it's amazing. Yeah. Like, like then you get like I mean, yeah, peace and the thing. If you read his book, when did he have time to drum? Well, <laughs> you want to go read a good raunchy rock and roll? Book, I oh yeah, oh, he's a great example of the musicality thing because of like the "Don't Stop Believing." Everybody loves that song. It's all happy, joy, bouncy. But if you listen to his part. It's very specific oh, with the bell and the thing, you know, all the composed. stuff that he's doing. Yeah, I very rarely can watch a guy play it and get it right. Right. Ever, yeah. Ever. It's it's funny how it's actually you're right. It's very composed. There's actually four yeah. different parts yeah. to the same exactly. idea. And he's playing left hand. And he's on playing left hand on, on yeah. the hi hat the whole time. And I tell right. you what, who's a mf or is uh, Dean Castronovo's gone out with Neil Sean and they have a project called Journey Through Time. Oh, oh right, right. right. Not only is he playing that, oh, he's correct? Singing. He's, he's singing, singing the song it, like, wow. so while he's playing I've seen that you guys. your brain another well, way. Oh One God. thing that's always gotten that's me is amazing. watching, like, say, a Don Hanley or somebody. Mm. How do you guys sing on the drums? It just seems like... Well, with your mouth. I out. remember the first time yeah. I tried. <laughs> it wasn't pretty. <laughs> I just can't see doing it. I well, just, just, you start focusing on the singing, and it's like, uh, what am I doing here? Yeah. So, but eventually, know. you know, yeah. you get to the point that you, you can... You got to practice that. Yeah, of... No, I, and I constantly do. Yeah. Like if I'm just singing backup parts, I do they have you sing backup yeah. and the, they shut you up. not slowing yeah. down. Or oh, like that. Yeah. Everybody else singing the band. I, I just think you know, I, I sort of see it like a chart almost. You know, you sort of see your drum part here and your vocal here, yeah. and you kind of see where the things line up, and yeah. it's weird. It's like a very kind of weird. Yeah. Where it gets tricky is so if you're playing one rhythm and you're singing a yeah. completely right. different oh, phrasing, yeah. or yeah. You, you know, or you have to hold a note one note a little longer one time. Yep. You know, you really so have it's, to know. it's definitely yeah. challenging. And of course, you know, it's, it's crazy. It's bad enough it? we got four limbs going in two I know. Yeah, four different right. directions. Yeah. How many balls do you need in the air at one time? It's hard to explain <laughs> how it gets like. done. It, yeah, it I know, just, I'm always uh, amazed, though. I'm just amazed. It's just you're able to separate because we're strange. <laughs> I'm actually surprised because, again, as a non musician, but I, I'll go online on Stalker Book and have my friends have these big debates who are musicians. And one of the persons that seems to divide people a little, they really like him or don't like him is Neil Peart. What are your thoughts? Neil Peart? Yeah. Peart. 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 He gets Peart. mad about Peart. it. He's like, nobody oh, pronounces it. It's well, like the shampoo. He doesn't get mad about it. He's Canadian. Hey. <laughs> they always say sorry. sorry. I'm sorry, but that's sorry. not my name, eh? Take it south, eh? Love you, Canada. <laughs> Well, I don't know. I think he's I think he's amazing. I sometimes I would just like to hear a rush song that had an actual like when they did Moving Pictures, that was probably one of my favorite albums and Permanent Waves. Those couple of albums where they where it wasn't just all over the place. They stripped it was a it down little out. more song form and the keys got lower and stuff like that. And it just sounded a little more it was more radio well, friendly, obviously, yeah. but I liked that. But but listening to his stuff, I just marvel at it. I couldn't play like that. I couldn't that. do that stuff. Yeah. I mean, people assume that, you know, because you're a drummer, you're necessarily familiar with that catalog. Yeah. And I didn't I didn't grow up on that. That wasn't my inspiration. Yeah. I sort of, you know, it was a generation before that and came back to it later uh -huh. in order to appreciate it. But let alone his drumming, but he wrote all the lyrics, yeah. too. Yeah, yeah. So you got to give it up to the guy. Yeah. And the fact that he would tackle trying to play with the Buddy Rich big band. And what he did, yeah. too, is you I guess right. he right changed out of his style. Way out of his wheelhouse. He changed his yeah. style, I guess, like in mid-career. He decided well, he, he learned to get he it. He studied with Freddie Gruber, Freddie Gruber, just like yeah. uh, Steve Smith uh, yeah. did. And, you know, changed a lot of his uh, technical approach. I can actually say, instrument. I saw their show, the moving pictures, the... The time, the the time warp sure the thing like thirty years it was at the fairgrounds like twenty ten mm -hmm. I saw that and show. I would say that was one of the best drum solos I ever saw. Well, he he, he is a master at making a drum solo 
a composition. Right. You know what I mean? It's and not just a boring go to the get a beer thing. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. I mean, he and, and I give him credit too because he embraced technology as it as it grew through time. So he started incorporating different sounds and different stuff, you know. And mm-hmm. and, and in point. the '80s, they went a little overboard, I think, with some of that yeah. stuff. Yeah. Well, but, you know the story about yes, I guess Rick Wakeman said he wore that cloak because when they did the drum solo, he would get curried, he would eat, he just put the cloak over his head at the keyboard. <laughs> <laughs> but they had the ones where I remember in the day back like. Bonham would do a half hour. Some of these guys oh, would yeah. do like half hour solos and stuff. Wow. Crazy, <laughs> crazy. Now you can't get away with that. The attention span is so short. Yeah. Today. Well, what I saw Neil do too. Zach was going to ask you. You guys ever play with the? You've heard this. You guys play with the brushes ever? Well, oh, yeah. All yeah. The time. You do. Yeah. I just did the other night. Yeah. I suck at brushes. <laughs> well, it's one of those things that you know <laughs> you have to practice it. I, I, I need to take lessons from you. Well, <laughs> uh, the cool thing about you really the need them. Brush one on one. I don't use brushes for anything I play, but I bought a pair at one. uh, Before I got my Regal Tip endorsement, Joe Testa from Vic Firth Mm -hmm. hooked me up with some stuff because he's a hometown register guy. And I ordered a pair of uh, Steve Gadd brushes. And I I got to have a pair of brushes. And so I have a pair of brushes. And there they sit. Yeah. <laughs> you gotta hook up with him. He'll teach you a little bit. We'll get together sometime. Yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll stir the pot a little bit. I That's had a it. really good yeah. book that taught me that. It was like uh, an old swing drum. No, there was a Louis Belson book. Okay. Because I, I had the Philly Joe Jones brush book. And, uh, yeah. you know, they had the figure eight and yeah. all that stuff. I mean, I kind of play it the opposite. A lot of people, whether you switch with the Well, that's right, the thing. It's a, it it's depends, a very individual you know, art. To, yeah. yeah. You know, I mean, I, I was fortunate uh, a few years back to, to uh, tech for, for Steve Gadd on a couple of recording sessions. Just got to sit behind him while he played a lot oh, of brushes. Nice. And it's like, yeah. you know, what a lesson there. Yeah. You know, what, what, watch, but it's like watching a, a painter. Yeah. But yeah, everybody awesome. has a different approach. There, there was a great DVD set that um, Steve Smith and I think Adam Nussbaum put out a few years back on Hudson. Right. Uh, they started playing brushes, and, and what they did was they took like six different drummers, mm-hmm. um, uh, jazz drummers, and had them all play to the same tunes at, at various tempos and showed, you mm-hmm. know, in their, you know, so there were some similarities. Some guys had the brushes really way spread out, other guys had them very narrow. Um, you know, some guys circled to the left, some guys circled to the right. You know, but it, everybody had their own unique style. Yeah. What I would have done, done, if I was on that, they'd be playing, I'd be painting the wall with the brushes. <laughs> right. uh, you know, what, and one thing I was going to ask, all of you have played for quite a while. You're all young bucks Men. here and everything. Uh, I mean, uh-huh. I remember Rob in high school. How could I forget all of you guys? And the thing I was going to ask you, okay, is you've done this. What do you have to say about the evolution of technology in terms of the music and stuff? Is it, you know, helped? Is it hindered? Is it, you know, all the drum, all the drum stuff now? It's amazing. All the well, I think if you're playing, like, club music or whatever, and you buy a couple of, like, I have a friend who bought one of these rolling things. It's like a clap noise thingy. So then you got to have, well, then you got to have, you know, well, it's cool because you can, it's got a pitch thing and a speed yeah. thing. So you can get a, or you can get the tight clap. But, you know, then you got to have a speaker. Then you got to, you know, as you get more stuff, then you got to have more stuff to reproduce. Depending on the gig, I mean, if you're doing stuff, especially, you know, stuff that's, you know, popular stuff that's recorded today that uses all of that stuff. Then you need those tools if that you're trying to recreate those sounds in a live situation. Yeah. You know. Or, I mean, I see a lot of people now, they have the, like, the Octopad thing or something. But it's all programmed. But also in terms of how it's affected, you know, recording. 
you know, it used to be we'd all be in the same room like yeah. a band. Yeah. Track. Right. It's just now it's it, you know, I mean, we still do stuff like that occasionally, but it's not the norm anymore. Now you're yeah. it, files. I mean, unless you're in LA and, and working on film scores or you know sessions out there or, or in New York, um, most of this, it's like an assembly line. Yeah. You know. Well, that's that's the thing. It's um, true. Take take a perfect example. Um, I heard somebody forget the producer. Might have been Max Norman was talking about this in an interview I was listening to. And somebody was telling him you know, about the first two Ozzy records that he produced. And uh, you guys probably know this, maybe you don't. About 10, 15 years ago, Sharon Osbourne, out of spite, went in and had Ozzy's current band, the drummer and the bass player, go in and re-record yeah, those Blizzard tracks. Yeah, Blizzard of Oz. I had one of those. Yeah, yeah Blizzard and Diary re-record the bass and the drums. And Why? <laughs> well, out of spite, because they were in legal battles. And they didn't oh, want to okay. pay Daisley and, right. and Curse Lake the royalties. So they said, F you, we're going to go in and take you off those records. Yeah. So what happens is you end up with two stale, completely different sounding records. And when I listen to Max Norman talk about it, he's like, here's what's the problem with that. At the time they recorded that stuff, you had a bass player interacting with the drummer, right. interacting with the guitar player, right. and everybody fed off of everybody else. Right. Now you take two new guys, bring them into the mix who aren't who are listening to somebody, right. but there's no feedback but, but coming the other way. Right. Same room, right? And it's not, not the together. same thing. I always wonder right. what the why that happened. I now explain yeah. it. I, I like never knew that. I, I said, oh, I'll buy it. I'll check it out. Well, but didn't I, that happen with uh, some of Foreigner stuff at one point? What? Well, not replacing the drums, but wasn't some stuff that they took Lou off of and put, uh, what's the new singer's name, Kelly? Kelly? Well, um, they did go back like a lot of bands and re-recorded some of the old songs, which is kind of the norm about six, seven years ago. A lot of bands, because they didn't have the original license, the original okay. recordings, went back and re-recorded stuff, so they own the rights and oh, okay, could sell that. They did a okay. hits album with, yeah. the, with right, the new band. Right. Journey did the yeah. same yeah. thing. Yeah. A lot of bands have done that. Def Leppard, even Def Leppard went in and recreated note for note exactly the original stuff. They did like three songs. You can't tell the difference. Hmm. But they did that because they didn't weren't making any money off licensing the original shit because they didn't own it. I right. see. Okay. So a lot of bands did that. Mm-hmm. But uh, but as far as technology goes, um, I mean, there's pros and cons. Let's take, I, I always talk to people about, um, like when we grew up, there was no YouTube, so you had to sit there and listen <laughs> right. and wow, learn it, and it developed your ear. Right. And even if you didn't get it a hundred percent, you got it your way, right. which is good because you're you're doing your right. thing. And if you're lucky enough to see that act live, and then you could go, oh, oh that's, that's how, how they he's did, doing if they were on TV or right. something, or they're on TV, or yeah, exactly. But now anybody can turn on YouTube, get a guy playing it. A lot of guys still get it wrong just because they're on YouTube. Don't make right. it right. Exactly. Right. But, if you're and it's good if you're in a crunch, like if you got to learn a song in in two days, yeah, it's good to just watch some guy do it and get it down, than to spend three days trying to learn it. You mm-hmm. know, so it has its it has its oh, pluses, yeah, sure. but I think too many people rely on watching some dude on YouTube and not developing their own creativity mm-hmm. in their own ear, which to me is more critical than just doing something out of rope. You right. know what I mean? Well, I like to watch YouTube things and then go hit the hit the set and then just okay i don't have it near me i just okay i think i understand what he's talking about goof around with it yeah and then you come up with something a little off but it's yours it's yours and it but it's based on that thing you like yeah it's great for inspiration and i'm mm-hmm. not there everything has its own purpose yeah. and its own thing i'm not yeah. knocking it i'm just saying when we grew up we had to listen to it we had to develop right. our own ear right you know? in developing the art of listening which is something i think that's kind of lost do. today the, you know as soon as you you really have to listen yeah. i mean that doesn't mean you put the music on and then you're on your phone right it means you you <laughs> <laughs> close the door to your room. You yep. listen. Yep. You know, gonna, and it's right. difficult. I was going to ask too, yeah. in terms of equipment, do you have a preference for typing? What was your first kit you guys had? 
I had a Rogers three Ooh, piece, nice. black diamond, yeah. with lights in them. <laughs> I don't know where I bought. Wow. Some guy saw them. They had light bulbs. Oh, they had actual light sockets screwed into wow, them. Wow! <laughs> awesome. I think mine was a, a burgundy sparkle round badge Gretsch. Wow! Nice. Mine Which was. I unfortunately, don't have. Yeah, right. I know. <laughs> mine was a, a minimal uh, Ludwig uh, Ringo col- kind of colored. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know what you call it. Nineteen sixty. Oyster. 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 Yeah. yeah. Nineteen sixty six was the was the date stamped in the mm. shells. There's wow. no serial numbers or nothing. Uh-huh. Um, so I couldn't tell you what Ludwig's they were. Yeah, but, yeah it's cool though. That's all. Were they, did they have the white interior? You think? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. That's about right. I still have them. Yeah, those are sweet. sweet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Worth some money. Yeah, you know, there's this guy. I went to the. I go to that Webster Music Store a lot. I know, Dave. You have you have a, mm-hmm. a sh- uh, like a shop that you work yeah. out of, but. This guy, somebody bought some Gretsch set over there, and because I went in there, and there was this red sparkle Ludwig, pretty nice, like a '67 maybe, mm-hmm. and uh, and some other used drums. This guy doesn't have used drums very much. I said, Where, "Where'd you get all these used drums?" And the guy goes, "Well, the girl goes, well, remember the red Gretsch kit that was up front?" I said, "Well, not really, but she goes, well, anyway, the guy wanted it. He brought in these three drum sets." <laughs> so he brought in three drum sets to get one. Three for one. Yeah, mm-hmm. but they're pretty cool. There's some, but this Ludwig set's really sweet looking. Do you ever have anybody out there like you watch some drum and you go, "Damn, that's a really cool set they play." Or this is nuts. It's so much. Well, there's so many yeah, custom so many guys. I know, but anybody, now, for so example, you can... like you ever see? Well, you see some crazy stuff where you, you know, Terry you, need, you need a building permit yeah. to yeah. set yeah. up Terry your Bozio. drums. <laughs> well, yeah, that's, that's like the SS Titanic. You bring your socket set to put it up. You don't want to be his drum tech. <laughs> I would, yeah, yeah. I was just say yeah. But he uses all of it. You know, well, yeah. It's very specific. I mean, it's not, you know. Well, I'll what? tell you what. There's a guy. Sorry to interrupt. There's a guy. I'm friends with him on Facebook. He'll never hear this. And I, but I still won't say his name. This guy, I can tell. I don't really know. It's not know. about you if you think it's about you. <laughs> I, it's just real funny. I, I don't know the guy. He's just friends with him. Mm-hmm. And he, he sends me stuff all the time. Seems to be a guy with a lot of extra money. Mm. So he's got the Neil Pert set up down to a T, right? Uh-huh. And it's all on a rack, and we wheels it. And this guy, he's, he's a reasonable drummer. But here's the clincher. Some extra money. Here's the clincher. You're going to die. And I, I always wanted to ask him, but I didn't want to embarrass him. He wheels this thing out in an ACDC tribute band. Right. He plays in an ACDC tribute band with, with a Neil rush. Pert drum set up. That makes zero Which brings sense. me to an, another point. <laughs> when you audition, no, understand what the heck you're auditioning for. I've heard stories of these guys. They'll bring down double kick sets and they're auditioning for like a, a pop band or a blue or a country band or something. Yeah. It's like, do you even understand what this music requires? Well, that's you know, know and it's like what those cattle call type yeah. of auditions. But that's know? that's hilarious. That yeah. is funny, dude. Yeah. I want to die. He's got a light up thing around it, the big gong drum over his oh head, like Vinny MC used to have. And I'm like, for an AC, for an AC, band, DC are you band? kidding me? You can I mean, leave all of that at home. <laughs> if he looked at, if he looked at. Uh, the basic ACDC setup, it's pretty It's pretty simple. Two floor toms and a rack. You don't even need a ride cymbal. <laughs> yeah, right. How often does he play the rack? I, I don't know. Yeah. It just blows my mind. But yeah, well, you know. Well, now there's a guy, ACDC, the, you know, the original drummer there. Um, I blank if you the are. Murder, yeah. The murder dude. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Is his name Phil? Uh, Phil, Phil, yeah. Phil Rudd. Phil Rudd. And, I mean, you know, you listen to, he's got some, I mean, he does... He does what I call a limited palette of colors. If you were painting, you're using four colors, right. you know? 
He's got his basic flam stuff. He's got like little tom fills, but everything's kind of rhythmic and cool. But it's it's not at all busy or. But yet you try to copy it, and it's tricky. So many guys cannot get the feel of ACDC. And when they had Chris Slade in the band, who's been in and out over the years, it's a different band when he's drumming. And I like the way he plays. Yeah, Chris, great drummer. But it it goes back to musical identity and feel. Yeah. How much more basic can you get than ACDC yet? I have so many people have a hard time recreating his feel. Well, because people assume, oh, it's easy. Right. But it's not, it may be, uh, quote unquote, simple. Right. Right. It's not complex. Not a lot of notes. That doesn't make it easy to play. Gotta be done right. Because we spent all this time, you know, you spent all this time practicing all these cool Mm. licks and fills and all this stuff. And then, you know, sometimes you can't crowbar that stuff in where it doesn't belong. What's the saying? It's more about discipline. It's not about what you play. It's what you don't play. Right. Right. Leaving space. And for all I know, that guy could be the most amazing jazz drummer in the universe. Right. Yeah. I would never know it listening to ACDC, right, but he could right. be. I've I've watched a lot of his live. I buy a lot of those live ones because I like just watching them. But the way he plays, seeing a guy smoking at the same time half the time. <laughs> Buddy Carlos. Like, yeah. And it, it's like, well, he's another one, man. He's Feel, got an interesting uh, style. I always thought, I always yeah. watch him though and go, is this guy, this guy choking when he's playing? He got the... <laughs> I got this one album. It's a it, well. I don't even finish what I was saying. So, but you watch his. his he's like doing these breathing things, and he's like kind of just. He's just there, man. He's just mm-hmm. boom, boom, ka, 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 ka. you know. He's just. He's just. He's. He's very metric. I mean, he's yep. just a very metric drummer. Yeah. And, but you know, and I don't know how he. Starts out some of these songs. All you know, it's just like it's like you said the two beat thing. It's just he'll you boop bop and they're off. You know. <laughs> It's yeah. like, Would you want to see what the album? You got one album. Uh, the cheap trick. Oh, it? the cheap trick. Yeah, it was called. It's called music for hangovers. Oh, I got was, that. Yeah, and you listen to the one, the one recording of the first couple songs. The snare drum is like so ringy. It's a great sounding snare, mm-hmm. but it's just like when he does "I Want You to Want Me" or whatever it is, mm-hmm. and it's like crank. You know, it's just like this beautiful sound because <laughs> <laughs> you know whoever engineered it, they didn't bother you know putting yeah, a bunch but, of tape yeah. on it or something. Because it's recorded over two or three days, so the sound yeah. changes a little mm-hmm. bit. But yeah, it's a really cool. Well, he's an interesting guy. Talk yeah. about feel. And yeah. the funny thing is, that guy's, uh, from what I understand, he's naturally left-handed. Oh, I was wow. wondering about that because you know yep. he would change like some yep. years you see him playing this yep. way, and other times you see him the set the other way. And yep. oh, I, I yeah. didn't know that. That's but there's a guy who. So many people, most of the people don't get him right either. Mm-hmm. Ne- they'd sit up there and play, do, ba, do, you know what I mean? Yeah. That guy, if you watch him play, it's sort of like listening to Bonham play rock and roll. It's it's a lot of with both hands. Like he's doing, he's riding on the snare drum more than he's riding on the hi hat. Right. Because he's left handed. And he's got such a feel. He's not a complicated drummer at all. But he swings, man. Master of swing. Adaptation makes creates a different style. When you have to adapt yourself, oh, that makes sense. Yeah, cool. you know what I mean. But this is—we're going. This has been really interesting. And yeah, fun. you guys want to come back and do another one? Yeah, and I'll get here on time, maybe. <laughs> sure. No, no, no. Hospital. We, no, it wasn't okay. You could say all you want. We know we were going to talk about that band and Bauman and Dave tried to kidnap you. Oh, is that what you were going to? Come yeah, up yeah, with? that's what we were going with. All right, yeah, we'll go with that. <laughs> but if you want to do as we always do. But you want to just, what's going on with you guys lately? You want to start with you, Greg, yeah. and go down the line for it's plug time. What are you doing? What are you oh, doing? Oh, so uh, yeah, like I would mention, I got an Iron Smoke gig coming up August uh, 2nd. 
with the Brian Lindsay Band, and August 30th at the Three Head Brewery with Susie Willpower, anonymous. Probably Willpower. not the 38th. He said 38th. 38th. 30th. 30th. <laughs> <laughs> the 38th of March. If you can find these, I haven't had anything to eat yet. I'm sorry, my blood sugar is still failing. <laughs> oh, yeah, <there's laughs> that too. What do you got there? Uh, let's see. And I gotta say, see, Primetime Funk, they're really cool. They're oh, a great, great show. Band. Oh, yeah. Thanks, man. Yeah, we're playing. Uh, we just played the other night at Anthology for something, but uh, I'm just checking my calendar now. We get, we're playing in Parenton at the the outdoor amphitheater there on uh, Sunday, the 25th. And I also play with a, with a five piece band called Soul Passenger with uh, oh, they're great. Ethan Porter, Mark Terranova, yeah. uh, Tyler Norton from Download, and uh, we just a added band. a keyboard player, my great. Old pal, uh, Casey Filiacci from uh, Backseat Sally. So, so real quick, I had a question. I asked him earlier. Did you ever have any bad gig dreams? Bad gig. I've lived bad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, dream. I can't think of a dream. <laughs> like where something didn't work or you forgot something. I had one deal oh, just sure. last night for some reason. I was thinking about this thing and my freaking brain was going over. I was like, I don't know. I couldn't I couldn't find anything and I went to the wrong place or something. <laughs> I don't know. Some kind of weird thing. But and okay. then I showed up to the well, gig and realized I wasn't wearing any pants. And he had diarrhea and he had to keep a bucket behind him. Oh my oh. God. <laughs> And on what's, that note, what's going oh, on in the world I got to tell you a funny story. Like, this has happened a couple of times. I'll make it quick. So but talk about an embarrassing moment, and then I'll try to get to it real quick as possible. So I played to a click track with Lou, and a lot of some of the keyboard parts um, and some stuff was on a computer, right, right, for enhancements. So we're outdoors. I think it was last year. Two years ago, it doesn't matter. We're in Chicago, 100 degrees outside. So... I didn't start the click track. It was always the keyboard player that would start the click mm-hmm. track. So we're about to play Midnight Blue. Midnight mm-hmm. Blue is yeah, about right, like this. All right, so what happens is I get four clicks, and then I click four for the band, as probably everybody does. So all of a sudden, he starts the next song. I don't know what the hell happened with the computer. It was so freaking hot. Instead of going, I get... Oh, no! It's like halftime. I'm looking down at my set list going... Holy shit, what song are we yeah, on? Right, right. <laughs> All I can do at that point is you go with it and you click along with what you got. I just do one, two, three, four, crash. Yeah. And then figure out where everybody goes from there, right? Wow. The crash buys you a second. Yeah, right? yeah. <laughs> so, so everybody starts playing, uh, I don't know what it was. And, and Lou's turning around at me going, Rob, Rob, Rob. Yeah. And then the clicker, the clincher is some guy in the audience filmed it, put it up on YouTube. Oh, no. <laughs> and so I, I, I see it on Facebook or whatever the next day, and you could hear Lou through the microphone, who you would think, no offense, Lou, you don't shout out people's mistakes on yeah, stage right. in front of a microphone. Somebody <laughs> out on okay. stage, man. <laughs> you hear him going, Rob, Rob, Midnight Blue, or whatever it was. And I'm like, oh, and it was, no. it's all over. I'm oh, like, damn. And it wasn't my fault. Of course it yeah. I had to go with what I had. Yeah, yeah. drummers, we always get blamed. Well, there's the pro and con of uh, technology. Oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> terrible. You didn't have to hire 10 extra guys, but yeah. the one What's thing might not What's going on with work. you now lately? <laughs> oh, well, after man. that, I, yeah, nothing, no. Yeah. Um, <laughs> actually, I'm, I've been... I've been uh, just jamming with Tyler, actually. Oh, Ty- have you? Tyler, me, Don Torpy, and Kiri got a fun little band oh, going cool. on that we'll be playing in October. And, we'll uh, promote it here. Well, we want to bring yeah, it down? Yeah. We don't have a name or anything like that, but it's 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 some groovy stuff. Some, uh, well, I won't even say. I'll leave it up to later. But it's, it's some bluesy kind of <laughs> Stay groovy. Stay tuned for that stuff. episode. See, there you go. And uh, nice. I've been in contact with a lot of the people I've met along the, the road with Lou. And um, maybe something... 
it's a sub gig for somebody, but I, I'm not going to say who it is because it may not pan out, but it, if it does, it'll be cool. Well, I hope it does. And, yeah, that's um, always fun. Yeah. And I've been offered some things to do. I had a chance to go Europe to Europe and play some things and some festivals in the spring, but it, it uh, let's just say the money wasn't there. Mm-hmm. So. <laughs> and you have a YouTube channel, don't you? Yeah, yeah everybody find it. Does it have their video on it? What what the, 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 oh, yeah, like I'm gonna put that. <laughs> <laughs> Although I got I do have some blooper videos on Facebook and YouTube. You can watch me. Can how can we find you on there? Is it it's under my name? Rob Mount. I got my own website and just look me up on the And we we're gonna actually play something from you. Right? I have, I have a, can you introduce it and we'll end the show with Dan? Thanks, you guys. Yeah, sure, really no problem. We'll see you again for part yeah. two. You can introduce it and we'll Go out with Dan. Have a good one. Well, I was going to bring some stuff we did with Lou, but I thought maybe that might not be cool. So I oh, I, they'll always get us no matter what yeah, we do. So it doesn't matter. Get, <laughs> we'll get stricken for it anyways. But there's a, there's a record I did in the mid '90s that, that came out in Japan that uh, John Han from the band Harpo, who was big around here many years ago. Oh yeah. Uh, me and him were mutual friends, and he called me last minute to record a record. He originally programmed with a drum machine, but uh, the record company said we want a real drummer on this. And so another one of those last minute in, in a week's ahead of time. Where can we find one? <laughs> yeah. So I went down there and recorded a, the entire record in two days. And um, so there's, there's some, actually some good stuff. It's kind of, it came out in the mid-90s, and it's more kind of late 80s, early 90s kind of commercial hard rock metal. Yeah, but it's cool. I like this Yeah, song. so it didn't fit in at That's the time it came out. He'll give us the song yeah. here, too. Oh, white, white Snake and shit like that. Like so, that. <laughs> um, but, you know, the number seven, track seven, Eye of the Storm is a good, good tune. Okay, we'll do that so one, then. You can play that if you want. Okay, Rob Mountain, Eye of the Storm. And thanks, everybody. And Thank now you. We'll drum off to another episode. See ya. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. <laughs>